Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Roundup. We are just about two weeks away from Retro World Expo, and I am absolutely honored to say I will be doing a panel with none other than Tito from Macho Nacho Productions Saturday at 4 p.m. in the main panel room. So I'm absolutely thrilled to be doing a panel with Tito, and of course, this is my favorite expo with my favorite group of fellow nerds attending, so I can't wait to see all of you. But we got a ton of awesome stuff to talk about this week, so let's jump in. First up, 8-Bit Doe have just opened pre-orders on two retro mechanical keyboards. These are both the same one, but they're in color schemes that match either the original Famicom or the original NES. And each keyboard offers Bluetooth, 2.4 gig RF via a little dongle it comes with, as well as just USB connection. It also comes with two very large buttons that you could just program to do whatever you want. And this thing honestly looks awesome. I, I genuinely think it's something that would be a lot of fun for people that want old clicky style keyboards. The, the color schemes of Famicom and NES are great, but I have one major complaint about this one. For my entire life, I've needed a keypad. I cannot have a keyboard without a keypad. And the past couple of years, I've been using one of these ultra low profile ones just so that when I switch back and forth between my main desktop and a laptop, it's not a wild change. And so my, my hands kind of get used to it. But whenever I switch over to my laptop, there's no number pad and it's kind of, it slows me down a lot whenever I have to enter in anything that anything number based. So I do wish there was a version with a number pad. And I know that there's already going to be somebody writing a comment right now that says, you know, you can get those things separate by the way. I know it's just, it's one of those things. So um, it looks awesome. There's a volume control on it, which I always think is pretty cool to have stuff like that, like a mechanical volume control, not hold the button combination that would access your system's volume. A lot of really cool things like that. It looks great. I just have to respectfully pass on this one because I, I use the number pad all the time. But this seems like it would be amazing to use with Mr. Emulation or just as your main keyboard if that's what you'd like. But um, for me personally, I'll wait till they have a number pad version and you know we'll see what happens from there. But the link to purchase both, it's the same Amazon link. You just kind of choose whatever you want uh, or choose whichever version you want from that link. And there's even some footage on their website or, or screenshots of how the programming might work if you want to do macros or program the buttons or something. So overall, it looks absolutely awesome. And I get so excited when I saw it and then really bummed out with no number pad. But, you know, when I tweeted about this, it seems like it's about 50-50. Half of the people that responded were like, good riddance to number pads, they're a waste of space. And the other half were like, I can't do my job without it. So, you know, I, I guess there's no wrong answer for that one. It's just, you know, whatever fits your needs best wins. Next up, Roger, a.k.a. 8-Bit Esquire, has just done an interview with Mike Chi, creator of all the RetroTink products. So if you wanted to see Focus... If you wanted to see exactly what he's been up to and some behind the scenes stuff and kind of just uh, listen to a chat between two very cool people who can't figure out how to get focus working, then uh, definitely give this one a watch because I, I enjoyed listening. I listened to the whole thing and it definitely didn't feel like a two hour interview. It felt like a chat over a beer or a cup of coffee with a friend. So definitely check this out. Focus. And speaking of Mike Chi, he was just a guest on the weekly Sunday night live stream on the My Life in Gaming channel, where he, Mark, and Corey put the RetroTINK 4K through its paces. Mark had one at his house and was connecting it to a bunch of different consoles, trying a whole bunch of different settings. And I guess that in last week in general kind of marked the public beta of the RetroTINK 4K. So to back up a little bit, 
The Retro Tink 4K private beta, if you will, started in late 2022, where a few people quietly behind the scenes got it and started providing feedback and doing the typical testing. And this is usually what I refer to when I talk about things like, you know, and all the behind the scenes work. You know, this is a lot of the stuff that I love doing that I have helped anybody who's ever asked for help with this stuff on. And that was great. I did a ton of live streams using the Tink 4K as the scaler. And sometimes I would mention it, sometimes I wouldn't. However, at launch, at that beta launch last year, it could have been a public product. It was fine. But even from then till now, Mike has tweaked so many things and made it feel like an absolute stable product. And it could have launched today and it could have felt stable. But now with this open public beta, where Mike sent it to probably the best people on the planet you could send this to, now we all get to watch the final stages of tweaking this thing before launch. And in no particular order, let me run you through what this means. First of all, Firebrand X is working on some profiles for it. Now, while I always have said the Tink products are designed to just plug in your consoles and go, you can tweak the heck out of the Tink 5X to do a ton of different things. And I do think that product is geared more towards, it's kind of like focused on the general retro scene, but here's all these extra features too. I think the price point and the real niche market of the Tink 4K is it'll work that way as well. But I think a lot more percentage of users will want to dig into the extra settings to really get every ounce out of that 4K scaling. So even if FBX only has a couple of profiles done, that still means by the time this thing launches publicly, by the time it hits your doorstep, you're going to have freaking FBX profiles to dial in all by dropping some files on an SD card. No flashing, no manually dialing anything in. It's just drop an unlimited amount of profiles on that card and have it ready for whatever consoles that you're plugging in. That's nuts. Also, Joe Redifer from GameSack, speaking of nuts, <laughs> sorry, I'm a child sometimes. Joe got one too. And while Joe's video analysis is obviously top tier, I don't want to take anything away from that. I think his audio analysis skills are absolutely underrated. I think he's one of the top people out there. He even has that secondary channel, AudioSack. So while I'm definitely looking forward to see Joe's thoughts on everything else, I'm really looking forward to seeing Joe's audio analysis and what's safe to pass through. What should you use an audio HDMI audio? Audio extractor for what tricks can you use to get things working and you know while it, I, it's mostly fine as is there's always those niche scenarios where you're going to want to know the answers to these things and i couldn't imagine anybody better than joe to work through that you also have wobbling pixels posting constant comparison shots on social media now which is helpful for two reasons first we all get a good sense of what to expect from this product so that's very helpful but also mike uses this kind of feedback to tweak the product. And Mike's one of my favorite people to work with when it comes to feedback. He's always respectful. He takes everybody's suggestions seriously. And while probably one out of every five of mine is worth listening to and the rest aren't, uh, I still get treated res with respect every time I provide some feedback. And it's great to know that he's got the right people providing that for him. So that way he could tweak it even further. And speaking of which, he also has... My Life in Gaming and John Lineman from D Digital Foundry also testing this and providing feedback. So you couldn't really pick a better group of people to do this. I genuinely think that while the product could launch today and everybody would be happy with it, 
I think it's going to launch feeling like the Tink 5X six months in. And that's a compliment. That's not some kind of backhanded slap in the face to Mike. It's quite the opposite. Mike has, from the moment his products drop, always listened to feedback, fixed any bugs immediately, and constantly gives us free software upgrades that add features that not only could very easily and very reasonably be poised as a paid upgrade. There are things that originally Mike thought were impossible, and we all just get them for free. That is not a dig against Mike. It's obviously a compliment. I'm just saying, having so many people test this, so many of the right people, this is going to launch feeling like it's already been out for over six months because it kind of technically has. So all super exciting if you're really looking forward to just the top tier upcoming 4K scalers, which respectfully, once again, you don't need a RetroTINK 4K, but if you want one, holy crap. Two more things I got to mention. First, I am absolutely stealing Mark from My Life in Gaming's idea. Um, Mark wanted to show off some of the CRT emulation. And Mark knows that anytime you do scan lines on a stream, it just destroys the image. And in fact, I would say any compression destroys the true look of this artificial CRT filters. So how do you do that? I've tried experiments on stream. I've said, hey, I'm streaming in 1080p. Put this full screen on a 1080p monitor. Tell me what you think. Most people think it looks terrible. Some got lucky, maybe with a fast internet connection. So how do you get around that? Well, Mark took a camera and aimed it at the TV he was using and then put like a picture-in-picture -picture window. So you have Mark, Corey, and Mike up top. You have the stream as normal, but then a little zoomed-in window showing you what it looks like up close to the TV. And it was the single best example of these scanline filters I have ever seen on a live stream. I have absolutely never seen a live stream where I looked at it and went, Wow, that's really close to how it looks in person. It's always going to be better in person, but that was awesome and impressive. And the only last thing that I'll mention, and I, hopefully I'm not spoiling anything, I'm not spoiling any fun by saying this, but when Mike was talking about price, he said, and I'm pretty sure this is a word-for-word -word quote, budget $1,000 and be happy when it isn't. So most people understood what that meant. That obviously means the price is not going to be $1,000. And this is something that Apple did on the first iPhone launch. They knew it was going to be an expensive product, so they told people some astronomical price, which is hilarious because that's actually what we pay for cell phones today. But at that time, people lost their minds. And, oh, they're ripping people off. And then the iPhone launched at the price that it did, and people were like, oh, okay, that's, that's actually reasonable. Whereas if they started with that price, the same trolls would have said the same thing. And that's exactly what happened. Mike said, budget a thousand and be happy when it isn't. And a whole bunch of trolls are like a thousand dollars. That's greedy. That's a slap in the face to the retro gaming community. If he doesn't show every chip on the board to prove that it's worth that, he's a liar, which is hysterical because Bitfunks, right? Why would you ever do that? But so I just, I couldn't help laugh at all of this. And I don't want to spoil Mike's surprise here, but I think it already worked. So I don't think it's any spoilers. So um, the price is not thousand dollars. It's going to be less than that. Uh, it's obviously going to be more than the Tink 5X. Uh, I think based on the morph pricing, it's going to sit between the morph pricing and a thousand bucks. We'll get to the morph later on. It just, it really cracks me up because all of the trolls that went out there and said crazy stuff like that, not only did they do exactly what happened with Apple and exactly what Mike had hoped, but it actually kind of sells more Tinks. 
If you say, look at this guy ripping people off at a thousand and it comes out under a thousand, people are going to go, oh, you know, that's, that is reasonable. I'll look into that. So th thank you, trolls, for making my life much easier. The Sega Saturn Shiro crew recently sat down to do a podcast with John Linneman, and I couldn't think of a more likable group of people to listen to. So I strongly recommend, I mean, I'm a fan of obviously all of their work, but listening to them together was very cool. And they talked about everything from the creation of the retro series, favorite consoles and games, and of course, Saturn and everything related to it. So uh, you could have that on YouTube, and I, I believe that they're going to, or that they do have podcast versions of over there as well. So, you know, for me personally, I try to support all my friends on YouTube because that's where the numbers would matter the most. But it's just so easy to fire up an audio podcast app and listen to these. And if I have it on my phone, I could be walking around the house working on stuff and, you know, the sound follows me. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Uh, if you, I guess if you could uh, watch it on YouTube, go for it just to throw them some views. But I'm pretty sure, I don't want to speak for the Shiro crew, but I'm pretty sure they would just be happy to have you listen in any way possible. And this was a fun one. So awesome people, definitely give it a listen if you're, I don't know, if you're into any of this stuff, which you probably are if you're listening to this. So last week when talking about the retro gem from Pixel FX, I asked a lot of questions about the morph because I really thought that those announcements should have gone hand in hand. And within one day of releasing the podcast, the Pixel FX team had posted a detailed press release with answers to the morph. So it's very cool that the team is still listening and taking my feedback seriously. Awesome for you to come out with that so quickly and even quote me in it. Um, and I just finished recording a 15 minute long breakdown of that, which for the record, was 100% positive with some questions, no, no negativity at all. Um, but right after I finished recording, I noticed that Dan posted on Twitter saying that this coming weekend, he's going to be posting footage of the morph. So that kind of put me in a weird place because when I was speculating on their press release, that's what you're supposed to do. That's why you put out a paper press release so that people can talk about it. But now that there's footage coming out, everything that I speculated on could have been total BS. So I think the most respectful thing to do would be to just give a very brief overview, and then next week kind of go back and break it down based on the footage that was being seen. But I am glad that footage is being put out there because um, when the press release came out, Dan posted shots of the prototype hardware as well as what I believe is the final production version, but not even a video of it powering on or anything. So that, that asked a lot more questions, but this is going to answer them all. So once again, this is not a compliment or an insult. It just is. You know, I, I have to unfortunately over-explain that in this section because there's been a a lot of people who've found great joy in taking things I've said out of context and uh, making it seem like I'm firing shots when, you know, maybe sometimes I'm, I'm shooting a little dig here and there, but I couldn't possibly be gushing more over most of these products. So I, I don't know, but let's continue. And I feel like the, the best thing to do would be to just take what I had just deleted uh, and take questions from that so that maybe the team's still listening and they could address those and they're frequently asked questions or however they want to do it so that next week I could do the full breakdown that I wanted to based on that footage. I do want to make sure to preface this with these are questions. There is no emotion in this. It's like asking if fire is hot. This isn't, these are not compliments. These are not insults. These are just after reading through the press release multiple times, there was a bunch of questions that I had left. Um, so let's just start out with the basic overview. Um, there are going to be multiple editions of the morph, all of them will scale to 4K, and the cheapest one is going to be a version that's HDMI in, HDMI out, no analog inputs, for $400. 
Then there are going to be multiple versions with analog video inputs, ranging from uh, SCAR in component to VGA and RCA uh, to BNC. You will also be able to pump composite and S-video through these, even if they don't have the S-video inputs. It'll be just like other scalers where, uh, you know, like you would put composite through the green input type of thing. And those will be 475. And you will be able to buy the HDMI only version. And then at some point in the future, buy the analog input card, pop the backplate off, insert the analog input card and pop the new backplate on. So that's my first question is how much is it if you buy that analog board after? Because the price difference is 75 bucks, but when you buy it completed, it comes with a backplate. So not only do you have to buy the analog module, you also have to buy the backplate that goes with it. I'm sure they're gonna package this all together. I'm just I'm I'm about to justify a higher price, so stick with me. You know, then there's also packing and shipping and all that other stuff. So my guess, 100% speculation, is it's probably going to be 100 bucks to upgrade after. But I think it would be very cool to clarify because it is my strong opinion that this is absolutely the way to provide a stepping up of features to your customers. Here's the root hardware. Here's another piece of hardware you could plug into it. I, I can't imagine anybody with a valid complaint about that. That's awesome. It just would be cool to clarify the price so people could plan ahead. Maybe people will say, oh, I'll buy the analog version now. Maybe I'll start with the HDMI version, wait, whatever. Uh, also, there's going to be different colors of cases and some transparent ones as well, I believe. Are those going to be price difference? And I, I, it would make sense if the clear ones were because those can cost more to make, but that would just be something that would be cool for clarification. Also, there's going to be launch day discounts, so $375 and $450. Um, I always have mixed feelings about that. I always feel like companies are selling themselves short when they do that, which is obviously not an insult. I can't imagine anybody trying to make it into one, but you know, there are scenarios like um, I'll just use my friend's retro game restore, Martin. Um, there are scenarios where you'll take that loss because you need to hit the minimum order so that you could continue to make them. And those RGR shells are beautiful, but I think Martin knows he's not going to sell 20,000 of them. So you've got to meet that mark. But if not, if you're not worried about meeting a minimum target, or if you, you know, if you're just trying to entice people to buy it, it's my opinion, just an opinion that you're kind of selling yourself short. So maybe, you know, the team could do whatever they want, but I certainly wouldn't lose 25 bucks a unit on the initial sales. But hey, if that's the marketing strategy they're going for, that's cool. The only thing that they absolutely need to clarify is, are these prices, the, the launch prices of 375, the normal prices of 400, are those fully featured? And that is not an insult. It's not a dig. It's not drama. Just the cold, emotionless fact is once a company does paywalls for software, everybody's always going to ask every product after that, where's the paywall? And that's, you know, that's just life, right? That you can't come back from that. It's not necessarily a bad thing either. Maybe this is their whole marketing strategy of getting this to people cheaper and then offering paid features. That's, that's all fine, but that needs to be clarified. Because if not, you're going to have half the people listening go, oh, would I get a software discount on this like your retro gem? And of course, you're always going to have the other half trolling being like, oh, is it a 480p scaler unless I pay for 4K? You know, why not just answer those questions right off the bat and not leave people guessing and not leave people room to troll like that. So they just need to clarify. My gut is telling me it's just 400 bucks, period, end of story. 
which is obviously a compliment. You could try to make that into an insult if you want, but you know, who knows? Um, you know, if they if that's the strategy they want to go with, that's totally cool. And it would follow suit with the gem. But that's definitely something that would need clarifying. And the only other thing that is a much smaller thing, but I think would be very cool for their customers and for the people that have been following them, is this is the second launch date that they've posted. So what are some things that are going to show people that this launch date is going to be hit? Now, I want to be very clear about this. Manufacturing products is a harrowing experience. Anybody that has gone through it knows that things can go wrong that you didn't know existed. So when I ask that question, I'm not busting chops saying, are you going to miss your delivery date? It's not at all what I mean. If something happens and their target date is by the end of the year, but if they end up launching in February, that's, that's not at all what I mean. I'm just saying they had a hard launch of summer 2022 and they never officially announced that it was delayed or on hold and gave no info. So when you come out and say, okay, well, here's the launch date without addressing that, that you're going to leave a lot of questions from people saying, why is it, why do we believe you now? Once again, that is not a dig. I am reflecting what the community is asking. And I'm just simply, since their marketing department is listening or the marketing people, whatever, it would be cool to address that as well, because that will stop people from asking you that question. Uh, other than that, honestly, it looked, and those aren't bad things. I'm going to over explain this until all of you get annoyed and just, <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm just simply clarifying this product launch. I am not throwing shade. I, I want this thing to do well. It really seems like there is going to be an absolute fit for the Tink 5X, the Morph, and the Tink 4K. It feels based on, you know, based on the press release and based on the uh, stuff that Dan's been posting, that each one of these products is still going to have their place in the market. And that people, once reviewers get them, once some comparisons are done, people are going to be able to pick which is best for their setup. Just for the record, no shade towards Mike, no shade towards Pixel FX. There's going to be a ton of people that go, I already own an OSSC, I already own a RetroTINK 5X or a GBS control or a nice CRT. My setup's perfect. I don't need these. And that's totally cool. That is no disrespect to anybody in that. But these are going to be for people that really want that extra little boost. And it just, you know, until the reviews come out, it's going to be it's all going to be speculation on which one's going to be best for you. So, you know, I did a very quick write up on it here. Um, I basically reflected everything that I said, except uh, I talked about a few things too that I will talk about a little bit more next week when the video comes out. Uh, but honestly, I'm genuinely excited for this. I meant no disrespect uh, in the questions that I'm asking. I just, I'm listening to what everybody in the community is saying, and I'm just now reflecting that back out. And hopefully we could have an open discussion about this and their marketing team could, could bounce back with some answers in their frequently asked questions section. And then when the video comes out this weekend, we could start looking at comparison shots and, and kind of see what's going on. Retro Gamer Store have just opened pre-orders on a drop-in replacement Famicom motherboard. So this is the original Nintendo Famicom with the red bottom and the probably yellowed top by now. And this is a motherboard that's fully populated with all components except the CPU and PPU. And since the controllers are wired in, you could either choose to wire your controllers in just like the original, or you could add your own ports or something like that. This does not include the rear board, but Retro Gamer Store is also selling that as well, if you would like. Uh, I believe we talked about it a month or two ago, so you could buy those together. But this is for people who have a failed motherboard, failed chips on it, maybe you have failed RAM chips, maybe your, your cartridge slot's starting to wear down, and you just say, you know what, 
I still want an accurate to the original experience, but I want a brand new product. Desolder your current CPU and PPU, or I guess you could buy some of the new old stock ones that are floating around uh, that I don't even know where they came from. Maybe they're pulled from dead units. Maybe they're actually are new old stock, but basically get yourself an official PPU and CPU, and you could have a perfectly accurate experience to the original. I would love to do some testing on this to see. I have a version of the Famicom that is so noisy. It's just got some of the worst jail bars. It looks like a Sega Master System. Uh, but, but I would love to see if I put those chips in this board, would I still have the issue? Are the, all of the interference in the PPU itself for these models, or was it in the motherboard revision? And I would love to get one of these to test just for that reason. But basically, if you're somebody that wants a, a populated, other than CPU, PPU, and controllers, a populated Famicom motherboard to buy, this one's definitely something that's worth purchasing. And I believe that it's due to ship by the end of October of this year, and the price is about 60 bucks. So check out Ronnie's post for all the details, but I definitely love projects like that because drop-in replacement motherboards are going to start to be something that we need more often for, you know, for aging retro gaming stuff. I mean, it's just something that's going to happen. And I'm really glad that the first one to get it was, I believe, the Game Gear because of all the capacitor issues. But this is going to start to be something that we need more, and it's really cool that we have projects like this. Stone Age Gamer now has stock of a bunch of different color options of the Saturn Model 2 replacement shells from Yoey. And these shells that are in stock are available in translucent blue, red, orange, yellow, and neon yellow. And there's also painted versions in gold and silver that are 25 bucks more. So if you were looking for a Model 2 Saturn replacement shell and you wanted those colors, now's absolutely the time to buy because it's very often to... Uh, you'll find at least one of the colors are out of stock in some of the stores. Now, there are a bunch of good quality, reliable stores that carry these. But unfortunately, I also want to use this time to talk about the knockoffs that are out there. Because a clone company not only cloned Yoey's shells, but also the box that they came in. So now there's a whole bunch of low quality versions floating around that look like you're buying the real version. And unfortunately, Yoey found out about this because somebody said, hey, I bought one of your shells and it's kind of crappy. Look at this button. And it wasn't his shell. So the only way to really know that you're not buying a cheap garbage knockoff, which by the way, not only are you getting a lesser quality component, you're now funding these awful companies that are stealing from the community. So the only way to get to not buy those for sure is by going through reputable resellers that you know will only work with good people and not clone companies. So I, I believe, and this is off the top of my head, so I'm very sorry if I'm accidentally excluding somebody here, but I know Muramasa was also selling these, Game Tech, uh, Castlevania Rondo. I just, these are the in stock at Stone Age Gamer now, and they're cool colors, so I wanted to share it, but just buy it from a reputable reseller that's actually getting Yoey shells. Don't support these clone companies because what will absolutely happen for all the people that are like, oh, well, you know, clones wouldn't happen if you made them cheaper and more available. Uh, that's not true. And not only that, if those people win and we just su support these garbage companies, we're not going to have new products. We're just going to have clones of whatever's existing out there and people are going to stop making new things. So please stop supporting clone companies. And I will never stop talking about it. You could keep telling me in the comments that you're sick of hearing it. That's fine. I could care less, but I'm still going to always talk about it to remind people, spend a couple extra bucks, get the quality components from the people that actually make them, not people who steal them.
Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. As usual, I'm going to scroll through these, and if you hear anything that piques your interest, please go check out Lou's video. So let's get started. First up, the RSP and the N64 core passed all of the system tests, but the instruction decoding setup is missing two features. So basically, Robert is still kicking unbelievable ass with this core, but of course, there's always going to be bumps in the road. And by the way, if you want detailed updates, please subscribe to Robert on Patreon because he, he really gives info that helps teach people who might want to be into this stuff and do it themselves what he's doing and how he's accomplishing it. Also, Jimmy Stones is back to developing the Juno First Arcade Core, but it is a bit rocky with a missing sound and out of sync timer. So it's still in progress, but probably not ready for public use. Martin, a.k.a. Wickerwaka, added OSD locking to Mr., kind of like a kiosk mode that disables the OSD unless you enter a pass password. So this is great if you have this in a you know a, an arcade-style environment or if you just have a bunch of kids coming over and uh, who like pressing buttons. You could lock it down to whatever game that you want them to be playing. So that's pretty awesome. Garth Jones on Twitter is adding NFC reader support to Wizzo's suite of Mr. extensions. So... Uh, this is another awesome thing. And, you know, basically all of the awesome things I said about RFID could probably be applied to NFC stuff as well. I just think these options are really, really cool. And you could download or you could purchase a reader that you can get from Amazon or AliExpress. So there's going to be more details on this next week. I'll shut my mouth for now, but I'm definitely getting excited about this. Next up, the Simpsons core is now running. However, sprites don't yet work. So you get a lot of weird issues like missing heads and stuff, but I, I don't care. I just love seeing the progress coming along with this. And Hotego's team also has an X-Men PCB, which his team is currently running tests on. So some of the most fun arcade games from, from my favorite generation are starting to come out. And speaking of which, my absolute favorite fighting game, Original MK... Uh, Attract 17 has been dropping hints about that, and there's a post showing the Mortal Kombat controls uh, and also an MRA file. So this might actually be coming not too far away. And I'm trying to I'm trying to calm my excitement down because I want to scream and jump through my ceiling right now because I love I want to I love MK. I want to see it on Mister, but I'll just I'll wait until until it's actually released. Also, Track 17 announced that a Sky Shark core might be receiving a beta release sometime in September, and that's a vertically scrolling shooter developed by Toa Plan, which I have my vertical arcade cab in pieces right now, trying to get a frame for the Sammy cab to easily mount a bigger monitor. So hopefully I can get that done by September so I can start playing some of these more, uh, some of these cooler Tate games. And also Darren O received a plus alpha PCB with an MCU that has no dump. So that means uh, you could get uh, everything that he can get that dumped and work could resume on the rest of the Jalico Omega System 1 games. So as always, thank you so much to Lou for doing all of this and for keeping up with all this stuff. There's no way I'd be able to, and it's so nice just to have weekly updates in an awesome video forum to just chill back and see what's going on in the Mr. World. So thank you so much, Lou. Please remember to subscribe to his channel as well. Retrobit have just opened drop-in replacement analog sticks for the N64 using Hall Effect technology as opposed to potentiometer-style analog sticks. 
And this is both awesome, but it does require some speculation and some discussion. Because to quote my friend Shank, saying something is Hall Effect is like saying something is an HDMI mod. Is it a Pixel FX internal mod that you're getting true digital to digital from? Or is it like one of those AliExpress $30 junks that you get a composite to HDMI conversion inside your console that you spent all that work doing to get what you could have gotten out of a cable Actually, probably better out of a cable. And um, that's not slinging mud at Retrobit, by the way. That's just uh, just saying in general. Hall effect is become really a buzzword these days, and it only matters in how it's implemented and the quality. And also, another thing is people have kind of gotten used to saying, oh, all of these analog sticks are getting drift, so Hall effect must be better. But all those sticks for years before the recent times haven't had drift issues like this. So it's not that your standard analog thumbstick would have always have drift. It's that the way they're doing it now seems to be. And Hall Effect basically uses, you know, magnet technology instead. And if it's implemented right, it could be better. It could not. So this is one of those things where Retrobit's really going to have to get this in the hands of of pro players and players that are more sensitive to these issues and get reviews out to see if they actually are worth adding. Um, now, it's 15 bucks, and all you need is just a screwdriver to, to install it. So if you wanted to take a risk on pulling this in your N64 controller, there's zero risk. I mean, other than your 15 bucks. I mean, all you have to do is unbolt your old one, bolt the new one in. And to be honest, if your N64 stick is is kind of you know, given out and you really aren't using it or it's not working well anyway, isn't it worth trying something new? I mean, there's other options out there, of course, just saying. Um, and they did model this after their Tribute 64 GameCube-like stick. So if you wanted to know what this is like, you know, maybe you could pick up one of those to see. But if you wanted this one, pre-orders are open now and it's expected to ship before the end of this year. Uh, so I don't know. I'm always excited to see new technology and how it's implemented. But as a nerd, it's my job to be cautious. So I want to jump up and down and say, yay, Retrobit has a new thing that might solve our N64 stick problem. But I think all of the other cautions I said in this are fair and neutral. And I just uh, I hope that this works out to be a good replacement option instead of just an equally mediocre option with the different technology. And once again, I don't I don't mean anything bad by that. I'm just I'm supposed to be a cautious nerd. It's my job. Next up, Rich Whitehouse recently posted a newer version of the Big PMU Atari Jaguar emulator that added Atari Jaguar VR support. So the Jag VR was something that was announced along with like the Sega VR back in the 90s. And like the Sega one, it never materialized. And like when Rich reverse engineered the Sega VR protocol a couple years ago, he's just done the same thing for the Jag VR. He used the Missile Command games that originally had VR support planned but was never officially released to reverse engineer it and get the head tracking protocol as well as how the game works. And it looks absolutely awesome. You could use this with anything that has 3D support. And I believe Rich used an HT, uh, HTC Vive VR headset to play it. I'm pretty sure if you have a 3D TV, you should just be able to put the emulator in full screen mode and use your side-by-side -side function. I haven't had time to test it yet, but I'm really uh, interested to see what it's going to be like. So <clears throat> this is an absolute awesome window into what could have been back in the 90s. And Rich even tried to implement the stereoscopic 3D the same way that Atari would have then with a 30 hertz per eye 
image to make it, you know, I'm sure Rich could have done stuff like jacked up the frame rates and, and whatever else, but he wanted to keep it real to what it would have been like, which is probably a good fit for these games anyway. So I, I'm excited to see it. And also, you know, the info is out there. So people might be able to use this to do things like turn Tempest 2000 into a 3D game. I think that would be pretty cool, right? That depth of field, the, the tubes and stuff. And you know, I, I'm a big fan of 3D. Most people think it's cheesy. Some people, uh, it gives headaches, which is fine. It's not their fault. Just everybody's different. But I've when implemented properly... I've always thought it was awesome. So uh, I'm excited to see this. So please consider supporting Rich on Patreon so that he could be able to continue making these awesome updates for us. And if you want to hear more directly from him, check out the interview that we did as well. Uh, and also, I just did a Google image search for Jag VR and stole it from a couple of different pages. So I wanted to make sure to credit them. And also, both of those pages have a lot more info on the Jag VR itself. So please check that out if you're interested. But Damn, I'm just, I'm excited. Jag 3D, right? Who would have thought? Retro Fighters have just opened pre-orders on a wireless version of their Striker DC Dreamcast controller. The price is about 50 bucks. It's due to ship this November and pre-orders will close in early September. So basically you have one month to pre-order if you choose to do so. And this does look very cool. Um, Alex originally reviewed their wired version last summer and found it to be mostly good, but had some issues with the triggers and some other things. I linked to Alex's post if anybody's interested. So hopefully Retro Fighters was able to, to address the issues that people had said and improved them in this one. Unfortunately, as usual, there's no lag test ratings, which just drives me crazy because I just don't think these companies realize that asking these questions is a good thing. If you're able to say, hey, here's the latency, here's how it compares to other people, that's that's nothing but positivity. So, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll listen. We have to just keep asking them, though. It can't just be me. So you have to politely ask them on social media, have you done lag testing? What are the numbers? You know, who else has tested these things? It's it's important to, to get that info out there to people. But um, the only other things to mention is it uses a Hall Effect joystick. So like we just talked about, that could mean that it's better. That could mean nothing. It could be a buzzword. That's not a, a dig or a compliment. It's just, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Um, and also the receiver acts as the VMU reader because it can't transfer the information wirelessly. So that might not matter at all to you. You might say, I don't really care. I don't use it for anything other than, um, you know, my save games, or that might be an important thing. It just, it's worth mentioning. So I don't think it would bother me personally. I think the only thing I would care about are what's the latency, how comfortable is the controller, but that's just me. And I'm kind of grumpy about this stuff. So certainly form your own opinion about it. Uh, all of the, the features are posted here and links to multiple stores in the US and UK are also in the post. So if you want to pre-order, just make sure to get them in before September or, or by September, I guess. Uh, and then they should release in by the end of this year. Well, that's it for this time. As always, thanks to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thank you to people who support in any way possible, because it really is you who's keeping absolutely all of this going. So thank you all so much, and I'll see you next week.